I'm Hannah. I'm Jen. And this is Midnight Nonsense. When you said 20-something, it reminded me that I'm almost 30 and now I'm going <laughs> to have panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good, that's a good uh, conversation starter. There's nothing scarier than 30. Why? Because you're no longer a child. Like, okay, okay. in your 20s. You, you're just figuring things out, right? There's mm-hmm. that whole, like, a Louis C.K. quote about, like, you're 25, you're figuring stuff out, and in your 20s, you're like, you know, you're poor, and, like, maybe you don't go to the doctor as often as you should, and you mm-hmm. don't schedule dental cleanings. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's fine. You're in your 20s, right? Like, you buy more underwear instead of doing laundry. It's fine. No, you're, no, no, no. You do that. I do, and it is very smart. Here is a life hack pro tip for you. <laughs> If you need to do laundry, but you don't want to because laundry is the worst thing that ever happened to anyone, that's that's really not true. Many horrible things happen that are much more horrible than that. But, like, in, like, a third world or first world white girl context, mm-hmm. laundry is the worst. Mm-hmm. I'm going to PC you for a second and say it's developing world and developed world. Is it? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't. Uh, that's the new. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, first, second, and third connotes like oh like a hierarchy yeah thank you for telling me that yeah sincerely i didn't know that yeah yeah there you go okay so it's so like we're a developed world we're a developed world and they're a developing world developing i like world. that it's not undeveloped world because that implies like again that's a that's a hierarchical thing yeah and that's like a passive voice like mm-hmm. nothing really develops itself you develop things so i mm-hmm. like that that's a developing it's a developing developing nation oh well i just learned something i hope you did too anyways if you're here in a white girl developed world mm-hmm. not having to do your laundry is like hellfire i no, hate it so, no, no i hate not. it so much You're i was so honestly dramatic. i'm not i just would rather give a speech in public than fold my laundry and put it away oh my gosh. i feel it's, like dying every it's time it's not it's not that so bad. if you are like me and know that laundry is your enemy you can usually get away with just going to the store and buying more undies mm-hmm. and then you can delay laundry by another week mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's like ah free week plus you get new undies what is there to complain about and sorry if you have new undies then that prolongs the time before you have to do your next like laundry rotation Uh this is also assuming that you have the money to just go buy new underwear instead of doing laundry i said white girl in a developed world nation that's true so like yes there are lots of white (laughs) women who live in poverty and i don't want to like diminish their stories or pretend they don't exist mm. sorry i'm just privilege checking you yeah all you are like hardcore privilege checking me <laughs> i'm 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 oh, doing my best here i know i'm doing my best I i'm know. so sorry it's okay i'm still learning i actually just read a really interesting twitter thread about this today mm-hmm. oh man i forgot i forget who tweeted it i saw it because mara wilson was mm-hmm. retweeting it and it was about this woman talking about how no one is born like, knowing social context, but it's up to you to learn. Yeah. So, like, it's okay if you don't know anything right now. If, like, the terms privilege or, like, all of that are really confusing, you don't have to feel, like, You don't have to feel bad. You don't have to feel guilty about that. It's just a great opportunity to, like, learn. And every time you, like, learn a new thing, like the developing countries Mm -hmm. thing, that's, like, there's no shame in that. It's just, like, a cool, like, cool. Okay, now I know. Now I know a new thing. Yeah. I think a a big problem we face now is, like, that immediate um, shutdown. Yeah. Of, of, like, no, you did it bad, you did it wrong, which yeah. sort of turns people off from wanting to learn at all, really. Yeah, because it makes it, well, it makes it, like, a shame reaction. Mm-hmm. And, like, human nature is just... You, you don't want to be shamed, ever. You, you don't, <laughs> so you will just remove yourself from the mm-hmm. discussion. And, and um, activate your defense mechanism. Right. Yeah. So, basically, if you're... If you don't know, that's fine. Google's going to be your best friend for whatever you're researching. Mm-hmm. But I would say you would want to find people who are willing to have a conversation about whatever privilege you're trying to learn about and yeah. talk to them about it. And then also be respectful of the fact that they might not want to because that's just, it's really kind of not fair for someone with the privilege to put the onus of explanation on the person without the privilege. But yes. Um, if someone wants to talk about it, that's fine. All of this to say, 
white girl privilege and Taylor Swift's new song just came out. <laughs> it's a great segue, right? Oh, Taylor Swift. Oh, T-Swift. I'm so sad because we were oh, listening dear. to her in the car earlier. Mm. We were listening to Speak Now. And, like, I loved Speak Now. That was, like, such a jam for me in, like, man, what year was that? Like, 2000, 2011, 2012. I loved. Oh, was it that late? I thought it was, like, No, it's just when I listened to it. I don't know when it came out. Gotcha, I'm, gotcha. I'm ignorant. <laughs> Apparently, many things. <laughs> Aren't we all? Um, no, but I was. Li- we were listening to it in the car, and I was. I remembered like dancing in my living room to that album, mm-hmm. and just loving Taylor Swift so much. And then Hannah and I just listened to her single. Look what you made me do. Which, first of all, let's go ahead and point out the fact that look what you made me do is the catchphrase of abusers and manipulators. Yes. Like, when your fan base is teenage girls from, like, seven, I said teenage and that's a child, but from, like, seven all the way up into your 30s, you don't want to make your first single in, like, two years be the the moniker that abusers are going to take and be like, yeah, Taylor Swift agrees with us. Look what you made me do. You yeah. made me beat you up. You made me, like, yell at you. That's just so shitty and not a good message to send out to your audience. Well, like, when you hear... When you hear someone say, like, look what you made me do, my first reaction is, like, a Disney villain. Be- like, like maybe not Disney, actually. Maybe more, like, dark Disney. Like, Star Wars mm. era Disney. <laughs> I don't know. Star just, Wars. Because Disney owns Star Wars now. So, like, a villain you would find in Star Wars. Not... <laughs> just work with me. This makes no sense, but I'll Okay, but, like, a it. villain uh-huh. holding, like, the, the hero's best friend who they just killed because the hero wouldn't give up the passwords to the uh-huh. United and, Nations. And they're like, look what you made me do. Yes, and then they, like, throw their body on the ground. Mm-hmm. Like, that's... The, you never think of, like, an that's innocent ne- person. No, that's never... That's never something, like an innocent person says no when when i think of it i think of it in like the joking context so like like (laughs) you fake yelled at me so i flung water on you and i'm like oh look what you made me do but it's not you do do that a lot the next time you do it i'm I'm gonna call you taylor swift (laughs) no please don't be like like, check that swifty and privilege Yeah. <laughs> That's what we should call him for all like super rich white girls that you all have Swifty and privilege. They have Swifty and privilege. <laughs> and we have like a modicum of Swifty and privilege because we are also white women, but we do not have Taylor Swift's money. Yeah, there's like a wealth. <laughs> there's also like an attractiveness. I'm not saying we're not attractive, but. Right, like, but okay. according to societal standards, there's something there. That she's like blonde like, with the lipstick and. Super skinny. Well, and she plays on the victim trope, which works yeah. real well in a patriarchal society. Yeah. So. Yeah, which was, which was like, another big problem with this song. Once again, Taylor Swift is the air quotes victim, which, you know, she's not, because the whole, like, Taylor Swift versus Kanye and Kim thing, it was orchestrated. And then she got caught with her pants down lying about it because she didn't like the way it was going. Because for some reason, it seemed like she thought this was going to bolster her image if she, like, made this behind-the-scenes deal with Kanye and Kim to get, like, her name in the song and then be a bitch about it on stage. And I don't... I don't understand that. Like... From a PR perspective, she's very good at managing her image, and that seemed like a total misstep. And now, instead of being like, yeah, I lied, that was a mistake, she's doubling down on it. (laughs) And it's just ridiculous. I just don't know how, like, I don't know how they have the energy for these things. Because I'm like, man, I got out of bed, and did I take a shower today? Probably. Yeah, like, <laughs> I got out of bed, I showered, I put on grown-up clothes at some point. I mean, I'm not going to say they were on the whole day, but, mm-hmm. like, for part of the day they were. Like, I gardened a little bit. I was so proud of myself for all the things I accomplished. I read some books. I'm recording this podcast. Mm-hmm. That's, like, a good job, Jen. Mm-hmm. You did You did a thing. You did the things. How do they have the emotional energy for, for all this fuss? Yeah, I don't know. Because it just... <sighs> Again, it's so stupid. It's just the most ridiculous thing. And on top of that, the song's not even good. It's not good. Like, 
like controversial opinion time. The song's not good. It's lazy writing. Mm-hmm. And then you have the break and into the non-chorus chorus type of thing, which throws you back into like that early 2000s Fergie style. But Fergie could actually do it, and Taylor can't. <laughs> no, it's terrible. Because it's just, look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. I'm not going to sing anymore. Just because I want to get I wish sued. you would. I wish part of this podcast with every night was you singing. It was me singing. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll do like a 10-second singing every podcast for you. <laughs> I have a dream to give Hannah too much alcohol one night. And which you should never do. Drink responsibly and do not give people alcohol don't, without their consent. Don't ply your friends with alcohol, but you're going to ply them with alcohol. This is a dream. Uh, not like a plan. There's mm-hmm. a difference. Mm-hmm. But Hannah has too much alcohol, maybe by my hands, maybe by her own, mm-hmm. whatever. And then I get her to sing all of Hamilton. <laughs> and I record it and send it to Lin-Manuel Miranda. No! No, but listen, then he loves it so much that he's like, yeah, and you guys become friends. I'm not, ah, no, no, that would be so embarrassing. No, I know it would, but I'm going to do it when you're too drunk. This is why. don't do I'm going to be brave for you. (laughs) That's not bravery, that's stupid. No, I know you're scared because you love Lin-Manuel so much, and like, so I will do this for you. I don't, I don't want my first interaction with someone who, like, I actually regard very highly to be me drunk singing his music. You're going to tweet him about that book you read today. Well, Maybe. Hannah read an excellent book today. I, I we need to talk about I, this. Do we need to talk about it? Well, you're the one who found it, so you should. Okay, so this book is called Textbook Amy Krauss Rosenthal by Amy Krauss Rosenthal. Shocker. Um, you should absolutely read this book. It's a really quick read. It is a very quick read because of the way she structured it. It's a kind of memoir. Yeah. It's basically Amy Krauss Rosenthal's observations about life, and it's super wholesome, actually, and very optimistic. Yeah. And she's incorporated this really cool element of, like, text messaging, which is another reason why it's called textbook. Um, so in certain sections of the book, she set up a phone number you can text, and you'll get things back, or you can share things with other people who have read the book. And it's it's really unique. I've never seen anything like it. It's, um, my English degree is going to come out right here. I don't have it yet, but it's going to come out nonetheless. Let's, let's it's have it. It's coming from next summer to us right now. Technically, that book is a hermit crab essay style. It's okay. very extended, obviously, because it's not an essay. It's a book, so it's a okay. hermit crab book. What is hermit crab? All right. So when you have an essay, <laughs> mm-hmm. so hermit crabs um, are little vulnerable creatures, mm-hmm. and they're so vulnerable that they hide inside the shell of other creatures. Mm-hmm. And a hermit crab essay is when you have a little vulnerable topic, and you stick it inside the shell of another format. Okay. So you would do, like, you could write, like, um, I have a friend who was writing about how she broke up with her boyfriend, um, but in a series of chores that she performed after their breakup. That's so like, cool. Yeah, like cleaning out her closet and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, or like I've seen, I saw, I just read one recently that was a teacher writing about being a teacher in the form of a syllabus mm-hmm. to his class. So like these rules for the classroom. That's brilliant. Right? Oh Isn't that so gosh, interesting? Yeah. Yes. So you can write them, like you could write a, a grocery list and use that to talk about like shopping for a family or, um, you could write a parking ticket. Like there's actually no limit to what you can do with Hermit mm-hmm. Crab essays. You can do it any form and they're so fun to write. And really helpful, too, because sometimes when you're trying to write about something that's really sensitive, it's hard to fit it inside of a structure. Right. And just, like, chronologically be like, this happened, this happened, this happened. But the hermit crab lets you kind of... Tuck a bunch of stuff in there. Yeah. And and it's probably, like, more fun for the reader. Yeah, well, I mean, because Amy Krause Rosenthal, like, had all these observations about life just tucked inside these little, Mm -hmm. like, hermit crab formats. Mm -hmm. And... And it was a whole book. And the the end result of that book is, I think when I first texted you about it, which was several months ago, I said it was like a feeling of being in a field with your arms outstretched and the wind blowing through your hair, Mm -hmm. and you were just so happy to be alive. Because I really think that's the end of, at the end of reading that book, I read it and I was like really happy I was alive Mm -hmm. and really grateful I had read the book. I I also walked away with a feeling of, of gratefulness, of just like, Wow, thanks for putting this into the world. Yeah. It's, it's really kind of you to do that. Yes. Yeah. I like to term those kind of books 
that like really sit with you as books you can eat mm. because you really just want to like literally stuff them in your face and like somehow absorb them into your heart and your soul mm-hmm. and keep them there with you forever. So really good books are the are the ones you want to eat and I definitely wanted <laughs> to eat this book. I think if if anyone is listening to this and considering reading that or like if you're sad like that's an excellent book for it, depression because I really first is. read it when during that one month where I had been working on a really sad writing project for months that like just mm-hmm. sucked all my emotional energy mm-hmm. and I basically turned into a puddle on the floor who like didn't really want to speak to anyone and just wanted to cry all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, aren't we all like that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and. So I said I wasn't going to read any memoirs because I was reading a ton of memoir and a ton Mm -hmm. of, like, I was reading a ton about trauma and poverty. And, like, I know it's super surprising that that made me sad, but it (laughs) made me sad. (laughs) But I picked up Amy Cross Rosenthal, and you, I told you about it, and you were Mm -hmm. like, you said you weren't going to read memoir. And I was like, no, this This is is different. different. And it just is, like, like, I don't, I don't want to, like, recommend cheap things for depression because the, obviously the best is therapy and, like, medication and right, those things. Right, but. but if you just need something, again, that's, like, very optimistic and will leave you feeling hopeful about life, that's, it's a good, it's a good book for that. Yeah. And, I mean, even if you're feeling, like, mediocre or even if you're feeling great, like, you should read it no matter what. Just read it. Just yeah. read it. It's so great. Yeah. It's so great. Yeah. And... It's a little bittersweet because yes. there are a couple of passages where Amy Cross Rosenthal talks about her relationship with the concept of death, and she's actually passed away now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the name of the article she wrote? I think it was, You're Going to Want to Date My Husband. Yeah, so there's a really famous article. I think it was in The Guardian. Uh, or, I'll or, go with that. Or Guardian US that came out, You're Going to Want to Date My Husband. And it went viral. And this is the same woman who wrote that article. And you're going to have, like, a really great appreciation for what she's done. And probably be a little sad, but... Yeah. It's a little, like, um, there's happiness that someone that... That that person existed. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. just this joy that there was this voice and this person who was able to see the world this way. And that she shared it with you through Mm -hmm. her book. And then also this sadness of, I'm not going to get my book signed. I'm not going like, to see her sequel. Right. Or I I can't email her and tell her how much it meant to me. Yeah. Yeah, that is sad. The One of the parts in the book that I really enjoyed was she was talking about the purple flower moment. So, spoilers, sorry. But <laughs> uh, she basically talks about when she was starting writing, I believe. I think so. And she was just writing down everything that was happening to her in the moment and then she called it her purple flower moment because she saw a purple flower and maybe maybe she was at Starbucks I don't remember that's horrible I read it this afternoon I've already (laughs) forgotten (laughs) anyway and what she wanted was other people to talk about their quote purple flower moment of when they were reading that passage in the book like what's going on around you and I was thinking about this as we were in, in the community garden this evening and you were gardening. I was sitting there reading a different book and the sunflowers were in a garden bed and the wind was rustling through the corn. I was like, this is a, this is a purple flower moment. Hmm. And I think it might be fun to get like a little notebook and keep it and like have your own purple flower moments. That's such a great idea. Yeah. I think that's also a really great tribute to her memory. Like, she would love that. Yeah. And love to have inspired that in you. That's a wonderful yeah. idea. Yeah, I think I'm going to... You should do that. Yeah, just keep it in my purse and then... And how great to be able to look back on that, like, 40 years from now. Like, yes, the purple flower moment. And remember the... In her other book, Encyclopedia of an Ordinary Life, mm-hmm. she has a thing with pies where I think it was... She said, like, the 200 perfect... Perfin? <laughs> yeah, perfin. <laughs> That's what we call them in developing countries. No, developed countries. Like, Dang make- it all. Oh, my gosh. I'm failing. It's like, are you making a joke? No, That's not a good no, joke. No, I would not joke about developing countries. That's awful. I would not do that. I am not the kind of person to joke about developing uh. countries. I'm rooting for you, developing countries. Please, please don't let the U.S. destroy you. I'm so sorry for everything my country does. Amen. <laughs> um, but she said, like, the 200th 
person to email her, I think, mm-hmm. after her book came out. She would send them a pie. Mm-hmm. And she did. She totally, like, sent people pie. And then I think she did it again when she reprinted the book and, like, sent them another pie. Mm-hmm. And then she did it for this one as well. Did she really? What a delightful person to be like, yes, you read my book. I'm going to make you pie. Who does that? I wish more authors do that because I read a lot of books and I would appreciate having pie. I can just make you pie. I'm reading David Mitchell right now. David Mitchell, if you're listening to this, I would like you to send me a pie, please. Also, (laughs) I am really enjoying the bone clocks. You write a little slower than I would prefer you did, (laughs) but I respect your right to do so, especially because you do it pretty masterfully. Mm -hmm. And the way you etch character design is something I really, really admire. You make them like real people. Mm. So even though I really want to understand who the radio people are, and I'm halfway through the book and I still don't understand, I I would really like to know, dude. But like, thank you for your beautiful book. And thank you for writing it. Please send me a pie. <laughs> uh, speaking of David Mitchell, do you ever have characters that you just kind of latch onto and you like you put them in this metaphorical filing cabinet in your mind of, like, characters I absolutely love forever and ever. Yeah, they do, it's not in a filing cabinet. Like, they live in my pockets. Okay. But, yeah. That's probably a nicer place for them. Um, <laughs> filing cabin's very dark. <laughs> I know. There's, like, not beds just, in there. I just imagined, like, a dossier okay. of, of, like, characters I love forever and ever. I matter, ever. imagine, like, little, like, chibis okay. of them <laughs> t- tucked into my pockets. That's really cute. Yeah. I like that. Thanks. That's a much nicer image. You can steal that. Okay, well, um... Anyway, Robert Frobisher, I think that's his name, for a character I love forever and ever. Anyway, from uh, Cloud Atlas. Oh, I don't remember him. Remind me which one that is. He's the composer who goes to live in the house with the other composer, and he he creates this, like, beautiful symphony. Oh, yeah. And then the other guy's like, no, this was mine, and they fight over who owns it because he's trying to make his career. And he, he, like, has an affair with... The other composer's wife, even though he's gay. Yikos. Anyway, he's a really beautiful character, and Mm. he's, like, one of the ones I have tucked in my pocket. He's just... I I don't... I think it's because I probably read him at a time where I wasn't feeling uh, super great, a.k.a. depressed (laughs) TM. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just gonna... (laughs) I'm gonna get a sign. (laughs) When I am depressed, instead of having to, like, have this long conversation where I'm like, hey, guys, I'm, like, feeling kind of depressed again. The depression came back. I'm just going to hold up a sign. And be like, here it is. Here it is. (laughs) That might be easier. Actually, okay, this is a brief detour. Well, we're off topic. That's great. That's great. But we were talking about how, so my counselor recommended um, giving a name to moods. (gasps) That's right. Yeah. And so I was telling Hannah the other day, like, oh, man, I'm, like, tanking hardcore, and I don't mm. know what this mood is, but it's this terrible mood that comes sometimes. And you said it's, it's like, an onset, and it just attacks me. Yeah. And, and you're supposed to come up for a name for it. So I said, what about Hurricane Fuckface? Well, that's its name now. That's its name. <laughs> that's its name. Hurricane, so Hurricane Fuckface. If you ever hear me say that Hurricane Fuckface is in town, please, you know. please give me a blanket. Yes. And, like, a pat gently on the shoulder. maybe a cookie. Definitely a cookie. I eat my feelings like crazy. (laughs) Just be nice. (laughs) Be nice all all the time. time. Just Just be kind. Maybe Maybe make make them a quesadilla. So, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, which... (laughs) How could you not? How could you not? Because it's, like, an internet thing. And if you listen to podcasts, you're an internet person. Let's be real. Yeah. Or, like, my mother. Okay. In which case, if you're my mother, I'm just, I'm sorry, I just said fuck. (laughs) A a lot of times. (laughs) Anyway, John Cozart and Hannah Hart Mm -hmm. did an advice time thing. Yep, yep. And someone asked, what do I do for my friend who's depressed? And he just sang that, and now it's a little anthem in our house. Which is, like, a really good deal. Like, if you have a friend who is depressed and you're wondering how to support them, you should be nice. Mm -hmm. Be nice all the time. Mm -hmm. Just be kind. Maybe, Maybe make, make them, them a, a quesadilla. quesadilla. Then I, I actually did offer you a quesadilla. <laughs> that's, that's right. The while ago when I was because the, the depression when her, yeah, TM. When, when Hurricane Fuckface came in. Yeah. I was like, do, do you want a quesadilla? <laughs> but I'm lactose intolerant. So it's a 
actually a really bad idea for yeah. me. And we didn't have any tortillas, so then I offered you a grilled cheese. But like which again, is similar, but the lactose intolerance. So then, because then I'd just be sad with a stomach ache and stuck mm-hmm. in the bathroom. So like, yeah. it would not help me feel better about myself. No. So something else for you, but basically, just be there for your friend who's depressed. Don't don't tell them to just choose joy. If you no, tell a depressed person gosh. to just choose joy, I want you to know that I will choose to love you and forgive you, but I'm also going to punch out one of your teeth. See, here's the, here's the thing. If you are not depressed, TM, you cannot possibly imagine how unhelpful that advice is. Um, choose joy. Drink water. Do yoga. Take a bath. Take a walk. <laughs> all of this stuff. Like, first of all, None of that's actually coming into a depressed person's brain. Like mm-hmm. they're not they're not hearing you. They're just filtering it out as like this person is not listening to me. Yes. <laughs> Secondly, depression wipes out all of your energy. So like the person's thinking, yeah, if I had the energy to do yoga, I'd do the fucking yoga. Yep. This is like the song I sang earlier in the kitchen. Yes, it is. <laughs> so we've started doing this thing where we will what uh what's the name what's the name of the Macklemore song? Oh, um 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 Is it Thrift Shop? Thrift Shop. Okay. Thrift so shop. we'll take the chorus of chorus of Thrift Shop and just create different lyrics for it. This started when I was singing about fish fetishes. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I was not gonna bring it up. I I'm gonna... not ashamed. I don't have a fish fetish. I just think it's really funny to sing about st- <laughs> no, st- no. stuffing fish in a pouch because you have a fish fetish. <laughs> I think that's the funniest it's, thing I've ever heard. It's it's not. It's only funny because you came up with it at 1.30 in the morning. Well, it's almost that time again, so maybe everyone else will think this is it's funny, not, too. It, the, the fish fetish and the fish Anyways, is not funny. Anyway, back to your yoga song. So I was, I was singing to the chorus of Thrift Shop earlier um, something about... Oh my gosh, I don't remember it now. I don't remember, but it was... The the end part was, if you tell me to do yoga, I will fucking punch you. Yes, yes. <laughs> because we don't... Depressed people don't have the energy for anything but punches. <laughs> I also think, well, it's worth it to, to state, and other people who are smarter than me have already said this, but depression and sadness are two different things. They are. You can be feeling sad, and that's fine. Depression is like... It's not sadness multiplied. It's... It's this feeling of emptiness and <laughs> trigger warning. Trigger warning right now because yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get into this. But a we'll be bit. we'll be happy on the other side. So <clears throat> yeah, like yeah yeah. If you need to just skip a few minutes, that's okay. We yeah, give you we'll, permission. We'll we'll, uh, you. we'll let you know when we're done with this. Anyway, depression is just this intense feeling of emptiness and numbness and worthlessness. Yes, it's not it's not sadness. It's this intense belief. That your life has no value and that you don't matter to anyone in the world, so you really shouldn't be in the world. Yes. And it's, like, entirely irrational because, Mm -hmm. um, like, I have a really great support network of friends who love me so much. Like, to the point that Mm -hmm. one of my friends, like, fell asleep on my floor when I was really sad and depressed near her because she just didn't want to leave me by myself. Mm -hmm. Like, just because she loved me and, like... I have multiple friends I could call at 3 a.m. and just be like, I feel worthless, mm-hmm. who would talk to me mm-hmm. until I was okay again. Mm-hmm. Um, I live with you, and I could wake you up any <laughs> night and be it's like, true. I'm sad. Ta- tell me a story. Pat mm-hmm. my head. Well, but when you say I'm sad, what you mean is, like, I'm, I'm yes. dealing with a depression. Yes. Because we often conflate the two terms. And you say, you generally do, will say I'm sad because you don't want to say you're depressed. Because when you say you're depressed, people freak the fuck out. Like, they can't right. handle it, and then they tell you to do stupid stuff like drink a glass of water. Which is actually, <laughs> if you are if you are just sad, doing some yoga really might help you. Mm-hmm. But if you are depressed, um, well, the best way I can think to explain it is that one of the last times, I didn't tell you this, one of the okay. last times I was feeling really, really depressed, I came and sat in your room, mm-hmm. and you have a little, Hannah has a little, like, weight lifting, weight I mean, it's a teeny. T- I mean, yeah. it's not like teeny tiny. I'm not insulting. No, weight, I, it's, but it's it's fine. I'm it's a couple insulted. pound weight, and I like picked it. I was laying on the bed, and I like picked it up, and I like rested it on my chest, and it felt identical to the weight I already felt on mm-hmm. my chest mm-hmm. because I felt so sad, like 
like I the sadness would never end mm-hmm. and it feels like this hollow emptiness mm-hmm. that somehow also manages to feel really heavy like an eight pound weight on your chest yes exactly <laughs> and it, I think the, the important thing to know is a feeling of permanence because when mm-hmm. a lot of times when you're sad you know you're not going to be sad for in a while like yeah. you know you're sad now but like yeah like oh I dropped my toast butter side down so I'm sad but that's going to go away in a half hour or when you make another piece of toast right or like I couldn't get concert tickets for Lady Gaga mm-hmm. I'm sad but there's going to be another concert mm-hmm. or or even if it's not you know that like there are good things waiting for you mm-hmm. those good things are still true when you're depressed but you you have no capacity to see them and even when someone, like, flat out says it to your face, like, but people love you, but blah, 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 blah. You're like, that's nice. <laughs> and I think this is especially important to note is that there's, like, medical reasons behind it mm-hmm. where you are categorically incapable of seeing these things. Because mm-hmm. the, the I always say when I'm feeling depressed, there's no serotonin left in my brain, mm-hmm. which is a massive oversimplification right. of, like, brain chemistry and everything going on. But... Your emotions aren't just choices. <laughs> they're right, they're right. influenced by your brain. And you, you have a choice in the matter, but there also becomes a disorder. Like, just like you can move your arm, but you can develop disorders where you're no longer in control of how your arm moves. Mm-hmm. Your brain can function the same way. Mm-hmm. So telling someone who's depressed, do yoga, or my least favorite is pray about it. Because if you tell a depressed person to pray about it... I'm just going to tell you, if you are talking to a person of faith and they tell you they are depressed, I guarantee you they have already prayed about it. Because no one who believes they can talk to a deity and feels that awful doesn't talk to the deity yeah. about it. Yeah, Like, if you, if I tell you I'm depressed and you tell me to talk to Jesus, I'm just going to go ahead and, like, reassure you right now that me and Jesus have talked about it. And I'm telling you because Jesus is in heaven and I need a face here mm-hmm. to not tell me to do yoga. Yeah. Or read my Bible. Yeah. I'll hit you with the Bible. Yeah. I don't want to single anyone out, but people of faith are the worst about that. No, they absolutely are. <laughs> and, like, this is really important to me because I am a person of faith. And, like, that that's an abuse of, like, the, mm-hmm. it's an abuse. Because mm-hmm. you're, you're shaming someone and implying that their faith isn't strong enough. And that's why something's wrong with their brain. Yeah. As opposed to, like... Your brain just has a chemical imbalance. Or, like, sometimes it's not a chemical imbalance. Like, I mean... Right. Uh, like, it's a it's a temporary Right. It, sometimes it doesn't need medication to fix. It right, can be a, right. A, it's, it's like a life stage kind of thing. Right. Which can happen. Yes. It, and often presents itself to people in their 20s or people going through catastrophic events. So I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people are going through depression right now in the United States. What with all of the horrible, horrible things going on. Absolutely. Um... But, yeah, the point is, don't, just just be nice. <laughs> just be nice. Like, literally, you don't have to fix it. No. And that's really important for you to know. You can't fix it. No. That person who's going through the depression, what they need is someone to just, like, be a presence there. They yes. don't need you to fix their depression for them. And you trying will make them feel worse. Yeah. Yep, because it makes them feel like a problem. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know about you, but I always feel like I have to fake that it's fixed. <laughs> So I'm like, ah, yeah, you prayed for me, and, and now it's all gone. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't, I usually don't have the energy to fake that. Uh, I'll just be like, mm, no, <laughs> nothing's changed. That's fair. Uh, yeah, so just just be nice to people going going through depression, whatever that looks like for them. If it's sitting there on their floor or bringing them a coloring book or just listening to them say things that maybe don't necessarily make sense Mm -hmm. because it's very hard for people in a depressive state to articulate what they're feeling because they feel like they don't matter so they don't want to talk about what's going on and the feelings are so overwhelming too Mm -hmm. it's it's not like a simple like because it's often Mm -hmm. for me like sorrow mixed with grief mixed with anger mixed Mm -hmm. with worthlessness that you can't always explain why it is it just is yeah, please never say, well, why are you depressed? Yeah, because the answer is, I don't, I don't know. If I knew, I probably wouldn't, I could, like, cope with this better. Right. But I don't, I don't know. It's just there, and it's there forever, even though it's not. But it feels like it's there forever, and just, shh, shh, shh. Actually, you know who's really great at explaining what this feels like is, uh, hyperbole and a half. Yeah, Allie, uh. Allie Long? Maybe? 
Ooh. We should know this. We should do our research. Man, I feel bad. <laughs> the gal who does hyperbole and a half does a great job of illustrating what it's like living with depression. So if you have a friend who's depressed and you don't understand, but you would like to, and you don't want to just do a random Google search, look for look for her stuff and just read through all of it. Because one, it's very funny because she does illustrations in Microsoft Paint and they're just, just they're amazing. The most beautiful thing. I just, I didn't know it was that possible to be so talented on Microsoft Paint. And I realized it's not like, uh, high culture art or whatever. No, it's excellent. But it's I'll fight just, people it's over this. It's just a thing of beauty. So you should go read that book, read that blog. <laughs> this and it's just an endless spawn. It is stuff it is. we like. <laughs> Here's all these books we like. That's okay. I'm read good with them. Yeah. And if you are depressed, I hope you know that it won't always feel like this. It really, it it really won't. And I know that's not gonna. You're not gonna believe us, and that's fine because that's where you're at. You don't, you just, what was, there was something that I always clung to when I was in a depressive state, and it was like, I don't believe this, but other people believe it for me, so that's going to be good enough. Like, that was really helpful for me to realize, like, I don't have to believe it right now, because other people believe it for me, and eventually I'll get there. So, if you don't believe it, we believe it for you. Yes. you're gonna you're gonna come out of it and it it will be okay which i know is really easy to say when you're when you're not there when you're not depressed because you're not in that like horrific miasma of like everything i do is worthless no one really loves me it it doesn't it doesn't matter no nothing has any purpose whatsoever like i should just die <laughs> but it ends so it, please don't it die does. it please does stay yes yes coming from from two people who have wrestled with that quite a bit and i just found a really cool resource for this yeah because i was looking at like resources for like you know when you are in that state it it's so all-encompassing mm-hmm. um that basically you just need lifelines out which if you have if if you are a friend of someone who is depressed you're kind of a lifeline because you're like a physical presence sitting there with them proving like mm-hmm. you're not alone you're not alone someone loves you because mm-hmm. someone is sitting next to you mm-hmm. um but i found this cool app and a website called Seven Cups of Tea, mm-hmm. and it's like um, I don't I don't know a ton about it. So I mean I mean do your research first. Right, right. But from what I've seen so far, it's like um, free volunteers who will talk to you if you're in crisis. And obviously, there's usually crisis lines in towns where you live. There's a suicide mm-hmm. crisis line, and people mm-hmm. will will talk to you. And um, you know, I think when you're in that place, the voices in your head are so loud and so overwhelming that having mm-hmm. a human voice just be there and say like this isn't forever can yeah be super helpful yeah there's also a um a service that does texting is for, it really yeah for people who have anxiety and don't want to don't want to make a phone call yeah we'll do a little bit of research and and um do put, an add-on at the end yeah well we'll put the link in the description yeah for you if you want to look at that but yeah there's all kinds of stuff now so you don't like because if you like me, phone calls are a week-long ordeal that you have to work yourself up to. And even then, you kind of just have to dive headfirst and do it. And it's awful, and it takes a lot of emotional energy, so you don't make phone calls that often. I hate phone calls. I yeah, hate I know you do. so much. I hate them so much. Um, yeah, so you have, a, you have a texting service instead, so you don't have to go through that because if... If you have to work up to it that much, right, when you're it might in, not be helpful. When you, you're in a depressive state, you're not going to do it. You're just not going to. Right. So, yeah, there's all that, kinds of stuff. That's so helpful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You do hate phone calls. I hate phone calls. Okay, so anyone who was wondering, when are they going to stop talking about it? We're done. We're moving on. No more sad stuff. No more. We're, no more depression talk. We're done. So Hannah has, like, a list of things that she hates. And I would like to say this is not... This does not stem from, like, a super dislike. This stems from anxiety. Right. Um, But, yes, I abhor phone calls to the point where I will actively avoid them as much as possible. Like, anytime we have a a maintenance issue with our house and we have to call someone, the maintenance people, to come fix it, I will make Jen do it. Because... Well, you don't actually make me. No, I don't force you into it. I I just just, know it makes you anxious, so I do it for you. Yeah, I just ask you to do it. Or, like, if the... 
online ordering service for the pizza places down. I will ask you to call them. That's hell. That's hell. I do do not like calling the pizza place. No, it's just... Mm -mm. I don't know why maintenance doesn't bother me. Probably because I've had to make so many embarrassing phone calls. Like, for example, one morning... I woke up. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> I know what you're going to talk about. In an extreme way. Like, I'm <laughs> extremely not a morning person. Uh, and None I, of us are morning people. That's why we're doing this podcast at night. Yes. <laughs> this is the kind of morning I like. 12.30 a.m. Yes. I'm in my prime This is here. a good, good morning. Um, so it's very sleepy. I'm basically like a small bear. Like, a, I'm a raccoon in the morning. Okay. I want to dip my you food are. in water, but by water I mean coffee. <clears throat> decaf coffee and i want to sleep that's really what's happening and i might claw your face off mm-hmm. um so i you're raccooning i was raccooning i flushed the toilet i went to grab another we have like a an over the toilet organizer thing you know like a shelf mm-hmm. i went to grab another roll of toilet paper off of it i knocked like the six inch right like six inches sure yeah bottle of glass bottle of poopery mm-hmm. that was sitting on, on, in, the shelf. on the shelf into the toilet. And I was like, that won't flush. It <laughs> flushed. <laughs> so I was I just uh, the amazing structure of our toilet pipes to accommodate a glass bottle. A six inch, like that's firm. Yeah. That is a stiff bottle. Yeah. I regret that face. <laughs> but it's a stiff bottle. So then I had to call maintenance. It's like, I don't know, 8 a.m., which I'm in college. So that's not. It's not a time I'm awake. Um, I had to call maintenance and be like, I just flushed a bottle down the toilet. And I ended up having to, like, lift our toilet up off of the bathroom floor to get at the pipes to get it. And then the maintenance guys were like, do you want it back? And you're like, hell no. And I was like, it's been in the poop chute. That is not. It's designed to cover up poop stench. It's, like, um, uh, tainted now. Yeah, it's gone to me. It is. <laughs> dead. It is. So whoever gave me that bottle of poopery, I'm really sorry I wasted it in the toilet. <laughs> In the way you're not supposed to. <laughs> in the way you're not supposed to. <laughs> so maybe for that reason, I'm not ashamed to call maintenance anymore. Yeah. I'm like, come fix my crap. I'm bad at owning places. <laughs> well, it's also not our fault because we're not technically allowed to fix things ourselves. Right, yeah. Um, oh my gosh, I can't believe we forgot to talk about the bathroom ordeal that we went through this week. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which one? What do you mean? Which I can only think of one. Are you thinking about the, the flooding? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so our bathroom flooded. <laughs> so my dad came to visit me. <laughs> I love my dad. And he will admit that he can get kind of distracted sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, at times, you would not expect a human to get distracted. Mm-hmm. So he came over, and it's like a two-hour drive to where I am, so he ran upstairs to use the bathroom, and then he came back down. We were talking about, I don't know, probably how much I hate Donald Trump. Yeah. Because that's usually just everything that flies out of my mouth. Yeah. And we were down there for, like, ten minutes, and then my other roommate um, excused herself to go upstairs and use the bathroom, and then I hear her, like, scared little voice, like, Jen? Mm -hmm. And Um, while this was happening, I have the room um, adjacent to the bathroom. I just hear this really confused, scared noise. Which, like, in this apartment... You, you're more likely to hear a noise than human words. Cause yeah. Well, from you. Well, I'm from Maggie. Yeah. Uh, it's true. not just me. Don't, and, okay. and from you. Not as much as you guys. Okay. Well, words are for suckers. Anyways. Says the English major. <laughs> saving them for the paper. Anyway. Out of my mouth comes nonsense. So Jen says me. No. Jen says Maggie. No, Maggie calls for around. me. I go upstairs and find the bathroom totally flooded because my dad was washing his hands and just left the sink on. And, like, not a little bit on, like, left it, like, full, fully on. And we had a call into maintenance to fix our sink because it's been draining slowly. So what had happened was with the tap on full velocity, it built up and didn't have a chance to drain and just kind of cascaded over onto the floor. Yeah, and there Um, was, like, a good amount of standing water. How, like, you said, like, an inch, right? Yeah, because it, like, came up to, you know, there's, like, a bump that separates the linoleum of the bathroom from the carpeting of the hallway. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, coming up to that bump. What was interesting, though, is I did learn that our bathroom floor is tilted because it was piling up in one corner, but Mm -hmm. it didn't go at all behind the toilet. Interesting. My dad said, of course it's tilted. That's where you walk. So, like, the linoleum is pressed down there from human feet. Okay. I buy that. My dad was horrified. 
He was, like, horrified that yeah. he had flooded our bathroom. And then Hannah reminded me that the first time she met him, he <laughs> dumped a full cooler of water. It was like a mini cooler. It wasn't, it wasn't a big ice chest. Yes, yes. It was a mini cooler full of water, like melted ice water, onto our kitchen floor. <laughs> yeah. And he was also really um, apologetic and uh, abhorrent, basically, of what he had done. Oh, I was like, are you calling my dad abhorrent? No, Cause, no, like, no. Because, like, calm down, no, dude. no. He's not abhorrent. He thought what he did was. Yeah, yeah. And we hadn't solidified where everything was at that point because we had just moved in. So he didn't know where the towels were, so he just left it, and he was like, I'm so sorry. And I just kind of tried not to laugh at him in my head because... I don't remember this at all. Where was I? Panicking about moving? Uh, Playing songs on your guitar. (laughs) What guitar? It's a joke. Oh. (laughs) It's from that thing you do. Excuse me. Anyway, yeah, you were probably uh, worried about, like, your bed or something. I hate moving. The way you hate phone calls, I hate moving. Like, I, mm. I it, again, it's not a strong dislike. It becomes, like, an anxiety issue because mm-hmm. you have to stuff all of your crap in boxes. Mm-hmm. And then move those boxes to another place and then pull all the crap out of the box. It's just... This is why it works well for us to be friends because I am not... I don't have that with moving, so I can help you move your stuff. Can you move me into wherever I move for my MFA program? That depends. <clears throat> that depends. No, I want you to things. commit to it now. No, I'm not going to commit to it because now. Because I'm... What inevitably happens when I try to move is that I, like, start off being like, this time I'm going to be so organized. Mm-hmm. And I am for a while. But then inevitably we get to, like, the miscellaneous boxes. And then I'll be, like, in my bathroom and have one cabinet left, but I will be unable to cope with that cabinet's existence so someone will come in usually it's stephanie my friend Mm -hmm. stephanie and find me like laying on the bathroom floor kind of crying and be like what's wrong and i'll be like i'm never gonna finish and she'll be (laughs) like all you have left is a spare toothbrush and these soaps and a comb you don't use and i'll be like (laughs) but i don't know where they go and then i'll melt down on the floor she'll take care of whatever's in the boxes Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll, I don't know, I think I maybe just cry myself to sleep on the floor until someone wakes me up and gives me some food. <laughs> I'm, like, not capable of functioning on my own. That's so. not true. Mm, it kind of is. That's not true. You it, can do it. Um, thank you for believing in I, me. I do believe in you. But I flushed a bottle down the toilet, so <laughs> I don't know if the trust is earned. Well, and you also shove a lot of stuff under your bed. <laughs> Yeah, so Hannah learned about this coping mechanism I have. I did, because we moved rooms around this summer. Right. So we were moving you out of your room and into a different room. Because I had the big room for two years, so I was sharing it. Hannah was moving into it, I was moving out. Mm -hmm. But to do that, I had to get out from under your bed. Yeah, and like, you know how sometimes you don't want to deal with a thing? So you just put it under your bed. Mm -hmm. So I had done that. Mm-hmm. For two years. Mm-hmm. So under the bed, there were like two laptops and three e-readers. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm still so horrified by this, honestly. Like a lot of soap that people had given me that I didn't want. Mm-hmm. And clothes that didn't fit me anymore. And like a whole collection of shoes I never wear. Mm-hmm. And it was very stressful. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff. It was the e-readers and laptops that got to me. So I was like, why do you have these do they work and Jen's like no I just don't know what to do with them I said you take them to an e-recycler and recycle them okay but in my defense what had happened with the laptops is originally I had a, a, a PC mm-hmm. it was my first laptop well that's not true but it was it was a laptop mm-hmm. and then my grandmother sent me a Mac because she was like I have this extra MacBook Pro sitting around do you want it? You're like absolutely and I was like yes give me that sweet aesthetic (laughs) 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 so amazing I I took my grandma's laptop not her only laptop I like didn't steal no the extra one yeah I'm not stealing from my grandma I love my grandma so Man, I look like a terrible person. I you make fun of developing countries. You didn't, you didn't make fun <laughs> of them. Steal from grandmas. You don't steal from grandmas. <laughs> I'm not that bad. Anyways. You're not bad at all. So I now I have the Mac and I have the the PC, which still works, but like not super great because um, it's getting old. But at the time, I worked uh, online as like a freelance 
web person. So I was like, well, I'll keep the PC in case my Mac ever goes down as a backup because I might actually need a backup computer like mm-hmm. as a crisis. Makes sense. So then last fall, my Mac stopped working and I needed a new hard drive and I just decided to buy a new Mac altogether. So then I had to get rid of the other Mac, but... But you didn't. That sounded really overwhelming. So instead of doing that, I just put it under my bed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the point is, all of this shite built up to the point where I then had to ask, why is this all under your bed? And you said, because it was too overwhelming. And I... I didn't quite know what to do with that, if I'm honest. You judged me pretty hardcore. I... I I tried not to, but I just... But you did. I did. I did. And I just was like, what are you doing? So I made her take it all to um, a computer place who would recycle it for her. And then I found out the even worse thing is you had moved with... (laughs) Several times. With um, at least two of the e-readers and one of the laptops. Yeah, several times. So this was an extended thing that had been going on. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know... I don't know what's under my bed right now because I moved into that room three months ago, mm-hmm. right? Something like that. And I've just been jamming stuff under there willy-nilly. <laughs> I don't know what's oh under there boy. anymore. <laughs> but, like, I call maintenance for you, so... It's true. We're, and you hate the drive through and I go through it. You're right. I do hate the drive through a lot. And I didn't realize this was a thing until I actually moved up here and was living on my own. And one night I was like, okay, I'll just go through the drive-thru for dinner because I don't want to cook. And then I realized that was actually a really horrible thing. <laughs> and it sounds so silly because who who can't go through a drive-thru? It's like the most ridiculous thing, right? But it's the idea of I have to sit there and figure out what I want so I have one person, maybe multiple people inside the restaurant waiting on me. Even though that's their job, it doesn't matter. Like, they're waiting on me. And then you have people who pull up behind you, so then they're waiting on you. So now you've got an attack from two sides, and then you just kind of end up blurting out the first thing you see on the menu that looks halfway decent rather than what you actually want. And it's just not a very nice experience because then you put down your window and there's like this awkward gap between you and the person at the window and you're like, here and take my stuff. But and I just hate it so much. It's such an uncomfortable experience to the point where before I lived with you, I would actually <laughs> I'd actually research the drive through <laughs> Stop. No, you would not. I did. I no, did. you would not. I did. I would, look, I would look up the menu so I would know exactly what I wanted. Oh, my gosh. I actually don't think I went through a single drive through that year. Hannah, <laughs> Anxiety just is the worst that way. But, yeah, I would look up the menus and then decide not to go. <laughs> that is incredible. Because it's meant to be a convenience thing, and it was actually just more convenient for me to make something myself than to put myself through going going through all of that. So, for anyone who's like, this thing makes me anxious, you're not the only one. <laughs> you're you're not. I guarantee there is someone else who is made anxious by what you are made anxious about. Yeah. Even if it's something really stupid, then you think everyone should be able to do it, like driving through a drive-thru. No. No. I, no. I, will, I can do it fine if someone else is in the car with me. Like, if you're with me and I'm driving. Because it balances it. And if I start to be like, ah, you're there to calm me down. But I would prefer to be in the passenger seat when it when a drive through experience occurs. Well, we've talked multiple times about how I have no public shame, and you have. So, so Hannah functions by this very like rigid like, like okay, here's a rule: if the restaurant closes at nine, uh, I'm sorry, not the restaurant. There's a local ice cream place. Oh yes. So like, well, this works for any any service. I know, type but the place. ice cream place I think exemplifies it. Okay, because you it. go into the ice cream place, you just get like a scoop of ice cream that they pay for it. It's usually like a five minute transaction. Like mm-hmm. think Baskin Robbins, right? Like this is not a long transaction because I get it if you're at, like a sit down restaurant. Mm-hmm. But so if the ice cream place closes at nine and it's eight forty five, according to Hannah, you may not go get no, ice cream. No, you cannot go get ice cream because it's it's probably a three minute drive there, so that makes it eight forty seven. You roll up. All of those people hate you. If you go into a place 
that closes and you show up 10 to 15 minutes before they're closing for the night, it does not matter where it is. All those people working hate you. I mean, I think they hate you if it's a sit-down restaurant. No, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. I think it matters. It doesn't matter. You don't inconvenience people that way. I worked those jobs and I didn't so hate did people. I. I did. Maybe <laughs> you're just more liable to hate people than me. That's probably true, actually. That probably is. <laughs> we took what was it? The big is it called the Big Five? Personality test? Oh, no. Yeah. This is going to make me sound like a huge douche. I've already accidentally made fun of grandmas and developing countries. You didn't make fun of them. Okay. Well, we took... It doesn't make you sound like a douche. It does make me it sound like a douche. It doesn't. You, anyway, so... The big five, which we agreed was not actually a very good indicator of, of no, your personality. I didn't. But you know what I think a good uh, personality test would be? Hmm. So I'm making Hannah play Morrowind. Oh, God. This 2000, 2001? I don't know. RPG? I freaking love this game. Like, the graphics are so bad in today's standards. But it's so fun. It's this open, like, open world game. So, like, there's a whole continent that you could walk across that would probably take you a couple hours to Mm -hmm. get all the way across the continent. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many quests you can do. There's houses you can join. There's guilds you can join. There's all these side quests. Like, I don't know if it's possible to accomplish all of these things. Like... It takes hours and hours and hours, and it's such a fun game, and I love it so much. The point that I have, like, the whole world memorized, and it's a little weird. Um, Also, you can steal a bunch of pillows. Like, you can go (laughs) through the continent and steal everyone's pillow, and that is my kind of game. Mm -hmm. Like, that's my jam. Mm -hmm. So Hannah's playing this game. I am, for the first time. And in the beginning, you, like, have to decide what race you are and what gender and what your hair looks like and then what class you are and, like, what sign Mm -hmm. you're born under. And you Mm -hmm. can basically take this personality test. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking that would be a really good indicator of what someone's personality was if we made them take the Morrowind personality test. Yeah, or, like, that thing at the beginning where the guy asks you the questions. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's what I mean. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about just, like, this this setup. No, 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 no. The the questions. Because if you don't want to pick... Like, your, I think it's a class. Class, you can just take a test and it it generates questions for you and will pick your class based on your responses. Um, I actually got Scout and I'm not sure how because the only question I remember is the bun question. Yeah, because you were pissed off about the bun question because <laughs> it's like the bun question is you have an iced bun and you're walking down the street and a group of people come up and they want you to hand over your iced bun. And so what do you do? And your options are to drop the bun and fight all of them. Um, I think you step on it when you fight them. Yeah, you step on the bun and then fight them. You just give it to them or you throw it up in the air to distract them and then take them all out. No, no, run away. You run away. Oh, you throw it up. Okay. And run away. I didn't want to answer the question because what I said was I would eat the bun in front of them and then fight them. <laughs> Which is like your pettiness level. That's like... It is. So Maybe we could do an updated Morrowind personality test. Man, I would love that so much. Oh. So the point, going back to the big five. The big five. There's a there's a thing there that can determine how agreeable, agreeable you are as a person. And I ranked at 50% agreeableness. So Hannah's not very agreeable. Which, again, like, this is not a negative thing. Hannah thinks it's negative. It, it presents a negative image. And, like, I'm not... That makes me sound really image conscious. But just generally agreeableness and niceness are interchangeable and i'm a fairly nice person i I think polite but great (laughs) (laughs) not nice not agreeable guess who's the dick in the duo listen me no i'm the asshole i think the patriarchy is kind of getting you down here (laughs) women don't have to be agreeable it's okay This is me being so agreeable. <laughs> because, spoiler alert, I had so much agreeability. You were like, what were you? Like, high 70s like of, agree- so much. of agreeability? So Jen is very agreeable, and apparently I am not, which was a bit of a shock to me. And but it won't not be, to me It won't be a whatsoever. shock to probably anyone who knows me fairly well. But, yeah, it was, I was like, I don't, I don't like this very much. Wow, the non-agreeable person not liking something. Anyway, so I'm apparently not very agreeable. 
Which, okay, I think this is a strength because non-agreeable people are more likely to stand up for themselves, to set healthy boundaries. Because I'm so agreeable, I've had to work really hard to be like, no, even to simple things. Mm -hmm. Like, you're an idiot for supporting zombies? (laughs) Nazis. We've been rewatching The Walking Dead and, like, I don't know, man. Nazis might as well be zombies. Yeah, white supremacist zombies. So even with those There's things, a Call of Duty sub-level. Sub-level? I don't know what it's called. There's like a... White supremacist Nazis. Yeah, you can I shoot. would play that game. Is it Call of Duty? Maybe one of... There's some like shooter game franchise where you can do like Nazi zombies and just shoot them continuously. I'm in for that. Anyway. The point of all this being... We're so off topic. <laughs> it's very... That is... We did it. We did our thing. We did it. Yeah! Again. Um... It's very difficult to be agreeable and also maintain healthy boundaries. Like, mm-hmm. the time I felt really guilty because I didn't loan someone my car, and the last time they loaned, I loaned them my car, they literally blew it up. And I was like, but maybe I should loan my, them this no. car. Right. See, you have the skill set to be like, no, you can't have my car. <laughs> and I literally had to go to another person and be like, is this a good idea? And they did what you did and were like, no. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I guess. I guess I can do this. <laughs> I have to, like, pump myself up for these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, not... There's people who are way more agreeable than me. Like, right. I'm not exactly a pushover. And the longer Trump is president, the bitchier I get. <laughs> <laughs> like, just as a human being. I think on that note, we should wrap things up for the night. And, again, we'll be back... Next week to just talk about a bunch of other random things because it is your weekly dose of bullshit. So we'll see you next week. Enjoy. Good night.